As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's time to shine with Kendall Lanise, transformational life coach, author, and speaker. This is a show where the spotlight shines on people, topics, and subjects that are honest, real, and relevant to you. Be ready to be educated, elevated, and entertained. Here's your host, lady motivator herself, Kendall Lanise. Hey, 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 everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Shine. Thank you for shining with me. I am here every week to bring you everything that I could possibly bring you. Uh, on this show, we do a little of everything. I will make you laugh, make you cry, make you think, make you want to be better and do better. As a life coach, that is my mission. That is my goal, always to uplift inspire and encourage you. I think it's very important to do that for other people. It's important to give what you know and give what you are taught. So I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to come back with our life note for today's show. Be right back. Thank you for shining with me, Kendall Anise. If you're here for the very first time, thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe to the show and don't forget to tell your friends and family about shine. We'll be right back. All right, it's time for this week's life note. All right, this week's life note. For those of you tuning in for the first time, if you don't know what a life note is, I usually give a life note during my show and it's a quote to carry you through the show, through the rest of the week and through your life. It's something that makes you say, hmm. So today's life note is my past is my past. It made me who I am. I have no regrets. Wouldn't change a thing. I just don't live there anymore. That is the life note for today's show. I'm going to read it one more time before I introduce our guest. My past is my past. It made me who I am. I have no regrets. Wouldn't change a thing. I just don't live there anymore. That is our life note for today. All right, so if you tuned in last week, you know this is part two with Valencia J. And if you haven't uh, tuned in before and this is your first show, go back to listen to the previous shows, especially part one of today's show. Last week with Valencia, we talked about how she survived a terrible house fire. Uh, she was burned alive and she's still here to talk about it. 
And we also touched on how she is a survivor in many different ways. A lot of things have happened to Valencia in her past and she's still here. So when I say in a true survivor and we shine a spotlight on her today, she is a true survivor. Anything that you could imagine happening to a room full of people, the things happen to her. So she's experienced what most people only read about in books and watch in movies. And I, you know, I encourage her to, to write a book because she has so many different stories and you would listen to the stories and say, wow, she's really good. She can make up these stories. Nope. They've happened in her life. So hopefully, and I know she will soon. And we've talked about it before. Um, writing an autobiography because her stories and the things that have happened to her, they've happened to other people. And when we shine the light on them, they don't become secret. They're, they're no longer secrets. And we take the bullets out of the gun when we tell our own truths and we share our own stories. So without further ado, Miss Valencia J, welcome to shine. Thank you for shining with me. Hello. Hey, how are Hi. you? I'm good. How are you? I am fabulous. Welcome back to Shine. Thank you for having me. So, <laughs> as we talked <laughs> earlier, <laughs> I'm trying to find out where to start because there are so many places uh, to start. But let's, I don't want to start all the way back to the beginning. So, let's just tell the people about you. Where were you raised? How old are you? How many siblings you have? Because I want to set the stage uh, for today's show and for your story. Um, I was uh, born at Columbia Hospital for Women in D.C., but I was raised in Baltimore, Maryland by my father's grandparents. Um, and I left them um, around the age of 13, 14. Speak up a little bit, Valencia. Um, I'm sorry. That's okay. I, um, Outside voice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I try to sound sexy. Though, I you know. know. That's but another know, show. That's um, another show. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I was um, I was born at Columbia Hospital for Women in D.C., but I was uh, raised uh, by my grand my father's parents in Baltimore, Maryland, up until the time I was uh, 12, 13 years old. And okay. um, a little bit about me, I have a, all of us have, I have three brothers, um, I have a favorite cousin, and I have two sisters, an older sister and a middle sister, and I'm the baby out of all the children. Mm -hmm. And all of us have different, um, different uh, fathers. Mm -hmm. um, that's about it uh, so far. Um, okay, so how? uncles. Okay, so you said you have how many siblings for those of you? I have... Uh, two brothers mm -hmm. um i have two sisters mm -hmm. and i'm the baby so i have a middle sister older sister everybody's in the middle and older i'm the baby i was the last one that was thought of um which my father ended up marrying my mother at that time because he was a rolling stone <laughs> why do you say the last one thought of why do you put it in those uh those um, words? i just put it because um um from what my brother said he, he said that um my father was dating his mother at the time, and then all of a sudden, he was the only grandchild that my grandmother was, you know, really <clears throat> loving and taking care of. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, here I come, me, Pinky, mm -hmm. Valencia, 
Mm-hmm. So he ended up marrying my mother. So that's why I say I was the last one that was thought of or not thought of or just popped up somewhere at the end of the sequel. But here <laughs> I am. I'm the baby. You're the baby. <laughs> so tell me about that. And for those of you that missed last week, uh, Val- Valencia was one of my life coaching clients. And, and everybody knows if you listen to the show that I am a life coach. And you hold a special place in my heart. You always will, Miss Valencia. Um, Absolutely. So tell me what that was like for you growing up when you realized as you got older that your father actually married your mom and not the other ladies that he had children with. Were you treated differently? Did you feel like uh, you were special? Did you feel like it was something different or that was just your norm? Um, it was a little bit of both the norm and different mm-hmm. um, because I grew up um, with my uh, father's grandparents. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't get to experience how my sister and them um, were raised. Mm-hmm. Um, any of that, I just, I, I can remember how I was, I grew up. You mm-hmm. know, all the attention was on me. Mm-hmm. I had the love. So I mm-hmm. didn't feel um, negated. I didn't feel like I wasn't special at that time. I felt, you know, my grandmother was old school. You know, you, you're a lady, treat yourself as such, and mm-hmm. that's how I'm going to raise you, and that's that. So at that time, I didn't feel any type of way. I knew I had brothers and sisters, but I knew I had the love of my grandparents. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, at that time, that's all I knew. Right. So you talked about your yeah. dad being a rolling stone, and you talked about him marrying your mom. But you also had a complicated relationship with your dad. Do you want to tell our listeners about that? Um, complicated, yeah. Rolling Stone out there, living his life. Um, he, um, from what I, you know, gathered, he just was a ladies, uh, ladies man. You know, um, when it came to having complications, I, what I've learned and I learned down the line as I got older. Um, was that my grandmother was very hard on him and very negative to him, and mm-hmm. she tried to make it up through the grandchildren. Um, so the love that he wanted from her, he didn't get that. Mm-hmm. So when I say complicated, he couldn't reciprocate anything to me. But at that time, I didn't know no different. Right. That's my father. Right. You know, he's supposed to love me. I'm his daughter. Right. Um, and I would go to other friends' houses and see how they, how their fathers treated their kids. Why can't I get that? And then the hustle, you know, the hustables and all that mm-hmm. was out at the time. They give you that false sense of this is how life's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's TV. This but how, what was the rea- What was the reality of the relationship with you and your dad? Um, he was cold. Mm-hmm. Um, no emotion. Um, um, he uh, drank a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't never. He never showed feelings. Um, mm-hmm. It was always suck it up, get over it. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with you. Let's go. You know, don't mm-hmm. waste no time. So that was that. That's what I. The second part of my life, um, leaving my grandparents, I end up adapting, adapting to, and then I started trying to please him because it was like nothing I did ever made him happy. Mm-hmm. So I always tried to like embark to embark on different things to try to get his approval. Mm-hmm. So that's how that went. And how did that work? It didn't work. <laughs> uh, I started 
seeking, as I got older, you know, um, seeking approval from people outside, um, older men, mm-hmm. um, being around guys all the time. I mean, I grew up around that, but there was only a certain, uh, it was only a certain level with my grandparents you can only take so many steps with. Mm-hmm. With my mother and father, when I got with them, you know, my mom was my, my mom was the one that always uh, covered up so much. He might have fussed about it with her, but she wasn't like my mom. She was like my best friend. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, if I wanted to come home late one morning, hey, Ma, it's, it's six, I know she had to be at work at a certain time. If I was hanging out all night, I'd get home at 530 in the morning. I'd call and tell them out back. She'll unlock the back door. Mm-hmm. So it gave me the authority, like, okay, I got more freedom than what I had before. Right. Absolutely. So, um, and then you, you started seeking attention from other men and they say that, um, a child, especially a daughter's first love is her father and she sees how she should be treated by her father. Her father treats her the way that her future boyfriend, fiance and husband should treat her. But that didn't happen with you. He was very negative. He was very cold so how did that shape some of the relationships you had with men? Um, <clears throat> that it was necessary, um, that they love me. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Um, Explain that. When they, when they yell at you, put you down, that's love. Mm. Um, you can't find anybody better. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I say that is because I watch my mom mm-hmm. sugarcoat things or she didn't want to deal with things um, in a sense of, you know, go ahead and let him fuss about it, go to sleep, whatever, and, you know, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Or she would, they would fuss for a little bit, or she'll just go upstairs and ignore the whole situation instead of saying, you're not going to treat me this way. Mm-hmm. So I watched how she allowed certain things mm-hmm. uh, go on. So I felt that's how I was supposed to be treated. Right. So, and, and as you got into relationships, um, you were raped in relationships. You experienced mm-hmm. date rape in relationships. Um, you were treated by other men in a manner that's less desirable. I mean, you were disrespected, you were used, you were abused, um, and you were even molested. Um, because there is a difference between molested and rape. And it, it's different, but it's one in the same uh, you, you've been raped by family members. You've been raped by, um, a police officer. You were raped by a pastor. I mean, several different people violated you sexually and assaulted you in that manner. What does that do to a young girl and a young adult? What does that do to your mind? How do you start feeling about men and your body and sex after those tragic things happen to you? Well, let me, let me, let me set, let me, let me make sure it's very clear. When it first happened to me, it was, uh, how old were you? How were you? How old were you the first time you were molested slash raped? 12. Okay. By who? 12. The pastor of our church. Okay. Let's talk about it. Um, I did not know that's what that was. Um, let me just make it very clear. My grandparents were very heavily in the church. I was a missionary. I did all those things. This pastor was very highly respected. My grandmother had so much respect for him. Um, he would have me um, sit on his lap, 
if I wore, like, you know, for church, you know, you wear dresses and skirts and stuff. He would put his hand up my back or up my skirt. But I never, I, because my grandparents, you know, they didn't know what that was. I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. I felt it was the norm. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Um, when it first happened, I, I never said anything. Um, and then there was another situation <clears throat> that happened in um, the pastor's office. Um, where it ended up being sexual. Um, <clears throat> at that time, I just never, I just thought that's what I was supposed to do. You know, my grandparents have a lot of respect. And I didn't know at that time if that was right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, being a young lady, not taught, you know, I mean, my grandmother made me sit on the steps and you don't go to guys' houses. They come to your step. They want to talk to you, they come to the step. There was always a respect level when it came to, like, guys that wanted to say, hey, you know, hang out or whatever. But at the same given time, this is who she trusted. This mm-hmm. is who she was up against for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, that's my grandparents. I trust this. So I never brought that situation up at all. I just thought that, I just thought, okay, it happened, and that was that. Mm-hmm. And then when um, did you discover that it was wrong? And how is that? So you never told your grandparents about what happened? No. Okay. No. So tell me what happened six years ago. Um, just, you know, when you, when you, in your deep thought process and, and, and going through so many things, you know, um, I really started, you know, when you're raising your household to be grounded in the church, you know, anybody that know what I'm talking about will, will agree. Mm-hmm. Oh, you go to church, you praise God. I'm not saying I don't believe in God. I'm not saying that he's, you know, he doesn't make things happen. But what I'm saying is we as humans, oh, if you don't go to church, you don't do this. You know, every Sunday you got to pay your tithes. It's always rules to the game. Mm -hmm. So I knew for a very long time to play the game Mm -hmm. because that's all I was toward. Um, There was a, a situation that happened and I think I was in therapy at the time. I was still married. I was still married at the time, and it was just a scenario that came up. And I was just, I think, talking to you. Um, I mm-hmm. think when you was my life coach, I don't think it's been six years, mm-hmm. but around that time mm-hmm. when we start talking about things, when people start making you think about things, mm-hmm. and then you think about situations after that, mm-hmm. like, I was really molested. Right. And it was okay. Right. But nobody knew because I didn't know what it was. Right. Right. So you didn't have this scenario that a lot of people have where you knew you knew it was wrong. They molested you and you told your grandparents or parents and they didn't believe you. You didn't even mention it because you weren't unsure of what was happening. Right. So that was the, the that was the first time you were molested. And then it be, it just continued it became um, a cycle. to write a cycle. What ages were you violated in that manner? Well, the pastor was first. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would say, I, not trying to be funny, I think I had like a two-year, three-year break. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a gentleman that I knew. Um, we were really cool. He's like a play brother to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we was hanging out, and he, um, you know, wanted to, you know, I, you know how you give somebody a hug, but mm-hmm. you really not, you're like, okay. You my friend, da 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 da. Mm-hmm. You do that little naive stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, you my friend. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Then you kiss. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, let me go. 
no, let me spend some time with you. Mm-hmm. And, and and then it was, um, <clears throat> let me just put, let me just put. You know, my hand on it. Mm. Okay, just your hand. Okay. Mm. Then it ended up being something else. And then it ended up being more aggressive. Right. So it was to the point where I was too naive to the point like, okay. And you were, four, you were 14. I was 14. Mm-hmm. Well, 15 mm-hmm. so. so he was pushing the situation. Um, but before I can realize this is what it was, it had already happened. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I remember him saying to me, I hope you don't believe that I raped you. Which meant he raped you. He raped me. And he me. knew what he was doing. He knew what he brought mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then how... That was another secret mm-hmm. I kept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when did you first reveal that? Throughout the therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout some therapies that I've been in. And um, I always say, uh, children see... Uh, the hardest time, and a lot of people don't know what children go to go through, and it shapes your adulthood. And people don't realize that because a lot of people are walking around as adults, but they're still suffering the traumas that they had as a child, as children. And a lot of times, people, and I always say, you suppress uh, what you wish to. What? What do you think I'm gonna say? You suppress what you feel. You what know, you, you, yeah, you, you know, suppress what you what you want to forget. Right. And some people is, do. Your yeah. mind can only take but so much. Absolutely. And eventually it'll shut itself down. Right. Exactly. And you won't remember until something is triggered, or triggered. you'll feel you'll have a certain feeling, and you don't know why you're feeling that way because you've blocked it out of your mind, and that's what a lot of people do just to cope, or they or they get strung out on drugs. Alcohol, you know, sex, right. Because you're trying to numb what you begin to remember. So that was 12, then 14. What was, and it sounds so crazy, but what was the next age you were raped? Oh, the next one was 16. I had a break. What happened there? The next one was 16. Oh God. Um, it was a gentleman. Um, we, we wasn't the same age. Well, Throughout the situations, like you say, you you tend to forget and not realize what's going on. I started dating older guys. Mm -hmm. So dating the older guys was because my father was so negative. I didn't have that male support at Mm -hmm. the time. That's why it's so important. Um, Dads, if you're out there listening, uh, you have daughters. You have to spend that time with your daughters. You have to spend that quality time, that positive time with your daughters. It's crucial. Because you are who they're looking at. You are their role model. You are their everything. When you deal with a little girl and their father, that father sets the stage for her relationship with men for the rest of her life. And some people think, oh, yeah, if I'm there, if I'm in the house, then I am being a father. I am setting that tone. But it's not about just being there. It's about showing up and really showing your daughter the love that she deserves and showing your daughter's sons too the love that they deserve because if not, they are going to seek it somewhere else. They are going to have that father figure somewhere else. And that's when the, the trouble begins. Go ahead, continue, Valencia. I was um I was dating older guys. Um you and know, I, you young, mm, mm, you have mm. a sexual side of yourself. So you you think you know sex? You don't. 
Right, because um, you were introduced it in a negative way. Right. In a premature but in my mind, way. I didn't think that at that right, time. Right. Yeah. Mhm. Um I think it's I I um <laughs> started um I partied a lot. I hung out with a lot of people. Now now every not not every guy at that time was really trying to be intimate. But I had, you know, guys that had interest in me sexually. Mm -hmm. Um, They were older. They would take me out, you know, and I'm thinking that's how it was supposed to be. And it ended up being where, okay, let me just give a part of my body. Right. Because you you used your body for sex to to get what? Right. To do what? The attention. The attention and the love that I wasn't getting. From your dad. From my dad. So you found when you gave your body um, unwillingly or willingly you felt how attention. you got attention and and what did that attention make you feel what was it at, at that time it made me feel powerful but i mean it don't last for 24 hours because once it's over and they drop you off at home they want to the next hmm. <laughs> i mean they're, they're they're moving on you know you're not the flavor of the day and when you were raped you know by you a... have to go ahead you have to keep calling mm-hmm. you, you know or when they call you it's what are we doing tonight? Right. Oh, well, I want, you know, or, okay, we'll go out and get something to eat, and we get something to eat, and be like, well, um, I want you to, you know, spend the night at my house. Right. You feel, like, special. Right. But you don't know who he had the night before. Right. Or the night before that in his bed. Right. You know, but you feel like that time that you're attentive. Right. Or somebody's paying attention, you know, being attentive to you. So, you know, there was times I wouldn't come home for three, four days at a time. I'd be in New York. You know, I would be gone, and then I'd come home, change clothes, go to work, or finish school, you know, go to school and do my thing. I'd come home 6 in the morning, go to sleep for an hour, and go to school. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just, that was just a cycle. That was a cycle. That was my life. So I mentioned earlier that you were raped by a police officer. And when I think about that, because they're supposed to protect and serve, And, um, years ago, many, many years ago, I was stalked. Uh, one of the times I was stalked, uh, which is crazy, but, um, I remember I was outside and I flagged a policeman down. Um, and the police came, you know, took the information, all of that. And it was so funny. Well, not funny, ha ha funny, but very interesting, funny that, you know, I gave the information and all of that. So my birthday was coming up. This was June. And this was, like I said, many, many moons ago. And um, don't you know that policeman end up stalking me, calling me, took my number off of the, um, off of the, I guess, complaint or the write-up, the whatever you want to call it. And he called me. He sent me flowers for my birthday. I mean, and that was a whole other thing. So when I think about police officers, and I think about one raping you, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not surprised. And you know, I know the story. Tell the listeners about um, how, how were you raped? Because some people are like, well, how was she raped by a police officer? And there are other people like, mm-hmm, I can believe it too. Um, what happened with that? Excuse me. What happened with that? Sad. I mean, it's true. Sadly. Sadly. I mean, one thing about officers, they, um, they feel like they have power. They have that badge and mm-hmm. that gun. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we as women, women, you know, that, you know, again, with my history, you feel protected. 
like, oh, I got me an officer. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I can, he'll pull up in my, he pull up in his car. You know, he got a uniform on. He's spending time. You know, it's, it's, you feel like, oh, girl, he going to protect me. They were the biggest snakes going, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because they hide behind the badge. Mm -hmm. um, and they can do it so easily. And, and people look at it like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. No, they can. Mm -hmm. um, it was so senseless. It was so... At one time, I would blame myself so bad. It, I guess I should have saw it coming, but I didn't see it coming because I was just so wrapped up into him. Like, okay, he's going to protect me. You know, right. I'm always very negative. Right. You know, if anything go wrong, he can come pick me up. He can come, you know, protect me, and I can chill in his house. No, me, no. You know, he get it. He got the he respect. He got the law. You know, why would he want to jeopardize himself? He was almost your savior, in a sense. Yeah. You thought that he would protect you. Um, as yeah. as we're often taught, a blind sense of protection. right? And of yeah. course, you know, I just want to put that disclaimer out there. Of course, we have good police officers out there, but bad. we have yeah, everybody's not bad, right? Everybody's but we also bad. have not so good. I mean, and that's with every profession. That's with every human being walking. Because what we have to understand about uh, people in roles and people with different positions and you know different authority figures, everybody mm -hmm. has been through some things. Everybody has past experiences. Everybody experienced things when they were children or adults. So everybody is suffering from some type of trauma, some type of trauma, whether it's um, your father wasn't there or your mother wasn't there or you got molested or raped or you got violated in some other way right. or you got abused or beaten, whatever it is, somebody experienced something. It doesn't have to be that traumatic. But there's something in, in, in everyone's past because nobody's life is perfect or was perfect or will ever be perfect. So I mentioned right. being physically abused, mentally abused. Um, I talked about getting beaten. And that's happened with you also. Yeah, that was at 16. That, that was when I was in Baltimore. <laughs> Tony. Oh, God. And what happened? He broke my jaw in seven places. He, you, say, that again, say that again, please. He broke my jaw in seven places with a brick in front of his mother's house. What happened with that? What happened with Tony? I talked back. Um, I was doing some things. You know, when you being rebellious, you know, <laughs> you being real rebellious, you run the street. You think, mm -hmm. okay, you can get away with things, you know, and, you know, you, you want to do you. You know, mm -hmm. your friend's able to go skating. Your mm -hmm. friends able to go where they want to go. And my grandmother got me sitting on the steps. Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as you get a moment of freedom, you know, you want to do you. Mm -hmm. And um, that wasn't such a great move. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I used to do some bad things, steal cars, little stuff like that. Uh, still cars, still little a, stuff like that. <laughs> I'm mad you said still cars um, yeah, still or cars. little stuff they like they that. They used to have a lot of right. shop shops right. in Baltimore. And right. You can make money. And, you because know, you were very you were very rebellious because you were. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's often, and this is not everybody because I don't want everyone to be like, oh, everybody's not like that. <laughs> but they right. say sometimes it's the ones that grow up in the sheltered environments or in church or the ones that are, like I said, sheltered from the world when they grow up. And different things happen and something started happening to you at 12 and it continued and continued that you just go buck wild. 
left. You're rebellious because now you're getting attention in a different type of way. Tonight, my guest is Valencia J. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Are you feeling stuck in a job or relationship? Are you ready to move to the next level? Are you at a crossroads in life? Are you trying to just figure out life and your goals and what you're trying to accomplish or achieve? Do you lack motivation? Are you unhappy with your life? Are you struggling with self-esteem? These are some of the things Kendall and East can help you with. She is a certified transformational life coach. For more information about her, visit livingtrueliveyou.com for her life coaching services. Now back to the show. Don't forget to check out my daily blog. She blogs on livingtrueliveyou.com. We'll be right back. We'll be right back and we are back. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about, I just wanted to take a quick moment uh, and talk about, I'm going to use this last 10 minutes to talk about not what happened to you, but talk about how you survived it and what you learned from the experiences that you've experienced in life. Um, therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, I mean, therapy may not work for everyone, but you wouldn't know until you try it. Mm-hmm. Um, what really worked for me was therapy. Um, I went through a series of therapists. You don't have to settle with one. If you don't feel comfortable, go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but just t- talking about it, um, getting some type of grip, um, and understanding to realize that, you don't have to appease everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though that's your DNA, even though that's something you grew up with, it took you a minute to get where you are because that's what you were taught. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take a minute for you to come out of it. Mm-hmm. But you got to want to come out of it. You have to want it. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you get tired of um, dancing with the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say dancing with the devil is... You can't play both sides of the fence for very long right. because you're going to have to make a choice. Right. Um, either you can keep going down the road of 
I did this, I went through this, I did that, you know, and that's what happened to me. This, You know, if you mm-hmm. want to, and I'm not saying that you don't have any right to feel that way, mm-hmm. because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be days where you're going to hit rock bottom and you're like, you got to find something to pull you out of it. Because those people, those friends, those therapists are not going to be there right at back and call every time. Right. You can pray about it, go for a walk and do something with it. Or find something that to take your mind off of it and then come back and revisit it, what made you feel that way and, and work through it. Right. It's a process. Right. And, and that's, Everything is mm-hmm. a process. Absolutely. And as a life coach, I always try to teach my clients to reframe the story. Because if you keep telling the same story, you'll start to relive the same right. story if you're not healed from that if you haven't learned if you haven't sorted it out if you haven't addressed it or and and I'm glad that things started to be revealed to you you were able to own what happened and not blame yourself for what happened Um, and you you've always stood in your truth and I admire that about you because you're not afraid to tell your story because there are a lot of people out there that are afraid because they want to you know, they don't want it to be judged. They don't want anyone to think of them as a, as a certain type of person or in a certain type of light. But the moment you pull back that curtain and pull that rug back and you reveal who you really are to yourself and to, to the people around you, that's when you're free. You're free from your past. You're free from the mistakes that you've made. You're free from the, 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 the hurt that people have put upon you. You're free. It doesn't mean that you forget what happened or you ignore what happened, but you can't live in that moment. And it's sad and it's unfortunate. Um, but if you're telling your story as you do to help other people, that's where you find the power in your story. That's where you find the strength to be able to help someone else because someone else listening right now, Valencia, you told their story. You know, you help them. So how important is it to you to help people through your life? I, you know, my, my thing is, you know, I have people that tell me all the time, you can always help us, but you don't use your own words to help yourself. And mm-hmm. I used to get that a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you, you can't. With everything that has happened, um, you're still going to be a work in progress. Mm-hmm. So don't jump up in the morning and think, oh, I'm renewed, I'm refound. No. There's steps and process to this game. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to call it a game, but to your mental stability and for you to grow as a person, there's a process. Mm-hmm. And if you don't work, just like AA, if you don't work the steps and you try to jump eight steps ahead of whatever the process is, you're going to backslide every time mm-hmm. and the reason I can say that because I've done that mm-hmm. because you're like okay I don't want to deal with it I'm going to move on from it mm-hmm. but yet the people that come in your life that mean something mm-hmm. end up paying for something you should have healed you know mm-hmm. you should have been like okay so it's a process to it you know at one point I used to be like well I don't want them to think I'm lying no I don't want to but I really don't care anymore right because my truth is my truth, and I walked it. Right. And until the day you can put on my shoes and walk where I walk and been where I've been, you really don't have nothing to say to me. Right. There's nothing you can do to me. I've already been broken. Right. I've already been bruised. What more can you do? Absolutely. Nothing. Right. 
That's exactly right. And that's what I mean by taking the bullets out of the gun, because no one could use and could, could ever use what you've been through against you. They can't do it because you've already put your truth out there. And that's what people have to realize. I'm not saying you have to shout to the mountaintop to everybody what you've been through in life. But if you're still suffering through it and you're still, you can't sleep at night because you're thinking about the things that have happened to you. You know, you're afraid that people will find out your truth. You know, you're just scared of your own shadow. That's when you have to pull the curtain back. And reveal to yourself who you are. Because if you've made it through anything, and this is for everyone out there. If you've made it through anything, that means that you are a survivor. You are a victor and you are still here for a reason. And you have to know what didn't kill you made you stronger. And, you know, I my quote, and I have t-shirts to prove it and all of that. When And I always say, this is my quote, when life gives us muscle, God gives us strength. And when I say when life gives us muscle, not with an S, I'm talking about the muscle to muscle through whatever we're going through, whatever we've been through, because life, that's what, that's how we see our strength. That's how we build our value. So Valencia, I just, honestly, I just want to thank you for being you. So what's going on with the book? (laughs) You know, I'm going to stay on you about that. I have been journaling, um, but um, since the, the incident in August, I, you know, every time I had tried to write, I, I, I couldn't quite make it there. Right. Um, because that was another step that I had to kind of work through. Right. So I am actually um, slowly writing okay. again. Um, and um, in my group, which we have burn group um, twice a month, mm-hmm. there's a gentleman, he wrote a book as well. His name is Mr. Francis, but he wrote a book. And um, he's supposed to be working with me so I can start getting... Uh, my book out wonderful um, so because that's something i want to do because my thing is i'm not looking to save the world or anything like that i'm actually looking just if i can just help one person that's right you want to still go through your flaws and that's you still right. want to have your trials and your tribute but if, if my voice or my situation any many of my situations run past your mind for a second right you can be like okay let me re- go back because she she went through that. So right. let me check myself at the door right. and I can get through it. And what people you know? don't know, you've been through a whole lot more. Um, you've heard just a, a taste of some of the things that Valencia has gone through. She struggled with her sexuality because of, you know, and a lot of people do when they're molested and they're raped, they struggle with, you know, some addictions. They struggle with just trying to, figure out their place in the world. And I know you've done that. So listeners, I'm telling you right now, this is a book that you're going to want to get and she will publish it, right? We're going to do that. <laughs> We're going to do that. I'm going to set her up. That I will. So she's threatening me. What you, what you so, say? Yeah, I guess I am. What you say, Valencia? I said you're threatening me live, so yeah, I'm coming out with it. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna give you uh I'm gonna give you some publishers, absolutely. But Valencia, <laughs> I wanna thank you so much uh for joining us two weeks in a row. And I say us because of our listeners out there too, but thank you for shining with me uh for two weeks oh, in a row. I know, right? Thank you. And I, you're you only welcome. give me like once. What you give me like once a year? No, because I'm having you on again for women, <laughs> for women bosses. Okay, I'm, I'm going to do a show with women bosses because she is a boss. She has her own business, 
And I'm going to do a show, show about women bosses and you're definitely going to be on there. So you'll hear from Valencia again on Shine. All right. And, and you're telling people where they, how they can find you in like 30 seconds on social media, website, all of that. Oh, um, www.pinkiesbrowandlashboutique.com. And I'm also on Instagram and I'm also on Facebook, Valencia underscore loving me more and Valencia underscore wink with pink at um, Instagram. All right. God bless until next week. Love you guys. And I mean it. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Shine. Shine airs live every Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For more information about Shine and Kendall and East, visit livingtruelivingyou.com. Remember, it's never too late to remix your life. I knew you went from the start When I'm lost, you're my tour guide The only thing that's right My candle in the dark As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.